Welcome to To Grow Good, a place to spread joy, beauty, and goodness, to bear good fruit, a place where others can meet or be inspired to meet God. So get cozy, lean in, and listen close. Miracles are at work, and he wants to meet you too. Hi, friends, and happy Tuesday. I hope um, you've had a great week so far. I am very excited to um, share with you today a conversation with Rachel Wong of the Feminine Genius Podcast. Um, Her story is truly incredible. Um, You know, when I say miracles are at work, man, this is one example of how the Lord... um, when we allow him to enter into our hearts, can just work wonders. Um, It's so inspiring. I really hope you guys all enjoy it as much as I did. Um, And just, yeah, listen to his goodness today and let it lift you up. Um, I did also want to just give a heads up that Rachel goes into... um, sharing pretty vulnerably about the darkness that she has felt at times in her life. Um, So I wanted to give a heads up for any little ears that might be around or for anybody else who may be struggling with mental health issues um, or struggling with thoughts of suicide. Um, Rachel briefly shares her own struggles with this. Um, So if you or someone you know is struggling from these thoughts, um, or feelings, please reach out for help. Um, the national suicide prevention lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. So without any other further delay, please enjoy this incredible story of redemption and transformation, uh, from Rachel Wong. Rachel, hello. Welcome. Hi, Rachel. Oh, thank you. I'm going to have to get used to that, like talking to another Rachel. Hello. <laughs> I know. We both are <laughs> named Rachel. <laughs> uh, so this will be funny. But um, how are you? How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. The sun is shining where I am, um, and it's a beautiful day. You know, spending time with family, getting work done, uh, chatting with you. It's, it's a good day already. So thank you yeah. for asking. Yeah, of course. Um, Thank you so much for coming on and being part of this project. Um, Could you start us out with just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about you? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Rachel. Uh, I'm living in Vancouver, Canada at the moment. And I I do a, a myriad of things. Like I just finished school and I studied communication at Simon Fraser University uh, I currently work at the university as well, doing marketing uh, for one of our community engagement offices. And I'm also the host of the Feminine Genius podcast. So that's kind of been my baby for the past year. Uh, and it's been such a beautiful journey of faith and just being able to meet amazing women. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, and that's beautiful. And a good a good segue into our conversation, um, just to find out, 
how you got to where you are today and mm. how you got to starting um, the Feminine Genius Podcast. But before we get there, would you mind starting us out by giving us a little back, bit of background um, on your faith journey and just when you first remember encountering um, God? Absolutely. Yeah. So I was born and raised in the Catholic faith. Um, like, you know, I was going to church from a young age and I went to Catholic elementary and high school all throughout. So in many ways, you know, Jesus and faith and, and this knowledge of God had always been uh, part of my life and really imprinted onto me. So I had a very good head knowledge of who God was, or so I thought. Um, and we were taught from a young age, whether it was at mass or in religion class, that God loved us and God had a plan for us. But what I noticed was that there was a lot of discrepancy between what I was hearing and also what was happening in my own life. So as I was going through school, I was bullied a lot, and that led to you know, like feelings of depression and a lot of anxiety. And I think that coupled with really feeling like my self-worth and my identity was tied to my output and productivity. It really led me to this precarious place where I was just like, I will only be loved if I do well or if I succeed. Um, so kind of like those two things working in tandem, kind of working against me really led me to um, just experiencing a lot of depression, anxiety, um, and at one point really having um, some suicidal ideation as well. Um, mm -hmm. And that all led me away from the church. Now, I would still continue to go to mass just because I knew that my parents would be furious with me if I didn't. Um, and like being the eldest of three, I had to set an example, so to speak. Um, but certainly, like all of the things that were being preached at mass or being taught in religion class really didn't resonate, mm -hmm. um, even though I thought that I knew the Bible forwards and backwards and just all the names for God and all those types of things. So it came to a point where when I graduated from high school and I was about to embark on university, I saw that as an opportunity for me to really sever myself from God and be like, you know, I'm going to go to this very liberal university that has a, a radical history to it. And I'm just going to put God aside. I'm just going to like run away and forget that that was ever a part of my identity. Um, and I like to joke that I could run, but God could run faster because it was probably the second day of my undergrad where I was um, face to face with a couple Catholic groups on campus and I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, I saw all their smiling faces. And, you know, there was a part of me that kind of felt jealous where I was like, you know, why are they Catholic and happy? Whereas I was Catholic and sad, you know, or just Catholic mm -hmm. and depressed. Like I didn't get it. Um, but, you know, like they had really reached out to me with a warmth to them. And they invited me to take some faith studies. Um, and this group that invited me is called Catholic Christian Outreach, um, which we were chatting earlier. So Catholic Christian Outreach is um, our equivalent of focus, but here in Canada. And I saw it as an opportunity to continue my head knowledge of Jesus and just kind of like, you know, oh, well, like I can learn about Jesus and know everything about Jesus. Um, so I did it. I, I kind of went through all these studies thinking that this was me like growing my Jesus brain. Um, <laughs> but 
but despite that, like, you know, they would invite me to things like, you know, a pizza social or a board game night or like Eucharistic adoration, which at the time I had no idea what it was. And I would never go. I would make up really bad excuses to just not go to these social events because I felt like the moment I would enter into that space, I would be, you know, I would be marked as like a sinner. It's like, who is this person? You know, she's, she's never around like, you know, she doesn't have a, a solid faith background. We don't see her at masses on campus. Like, mm. you know, she's a fraud. Like, we don't want to spend time with her. So, you know, I would always keep a distance. And my only kind of lifeline was through those faith studies. Fast forward a couple years to 2016, I was really in a very difficult place with regards to academics. And, you know, my own like physical health and mental health was kind of going downhill to the point where, you know, I was super depressed and super anxious. And towards the end of 2016, um, probably after the semester ended, like I was incredibly sick um, over Christmas. And because of that, like I pretty much missed all the Christmas celebrations because I was like in bed, I was sick and nauseous and all these types of things. Um, And in that moment, like in that, uh, in that moment and feeling a lot of despair, like I really felt this call um, or what I thought was an invitation um, to end my life right then and there, Mm -hmm. just because it just didn't seem like there was no, like there was any purpose for my life. Mm -hmm. And now the funny thing was, you know, a couple months prior, I was invited to go to a conference that Catholic Christian Outreach was holding. Um, And it's very similar to um, a conference that Focus holds. Um, So again, at the end of the year, it's five days. And um, that year it was actually in Vancouver. So on a whim, I actually was convinced by a CCO missionary to go. And, you know, as I was getting closer, I was sick and I was really starting to think of all the ways that I could get out of it. Mm -hmm. Just because I was so worried that I would be going to this conference, even though it was in my hometown. I was going to this conference and I knew no one. So I was going to be alone for five days and I paid so much money to go. And I was just like, what is happening? What am I going to do? Um, But yeah, but in that despair, I kind of saw that maybe this was my way out. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, like, even though like I felt this conviction that maybe this was the way out, there was what I could only describe as like this very irrational piece that was kind of holding me back. And just like, well, hold on, like, hold on, like, slow down. And see this, see this through, see this year through, go to the conference. So I went um, just like super like depressed the whole way there, just trying to figure out my way. Um, And the moment I got there, I was, first of all, very frightened just because I didn't know anyone. But very quickly, what I noticed was all of these happy Catholics again. (laughs) (laughs) Just like happy Catholics again. It's like, you know, these people are following me and I don't get it. But what quickly happened was that these happy Catholics, they saw me, but they didn't see me as like, you know, a, like a broken person, or they didn't label me as like a bad Catholic or a sad Catholic. Mm -hmm. And they welcomed me in um, with such like arms of love. And it was really beautiful. So I started to really feel like I belonged for the first time. And, you know, we had this moment, um, for Eucharistic adoration. So, you know, up until this point, I had never done it. So this was the very first time that I had done it. And we had this opportunity to 
uh, to bask in the glory of Jesus present in the Blessed Sacrament. And I was so moved just because this, like to answer your question, this was probably the first time that I saw Jesus like face to face, not just like Jesus up here. And I'm kind of like back here, like literally we were face to face for the first time. And that really compelled me to go and make a very clear and honest confession, one that I hadn't made in a very long time. So I went and I lined up, I was thinking about what I was going to say, jogging my memory about the act of contrition, which I'd forgotten already. Um, But then I went and I I shared everything that was going on in my life, like all of like my own suffering, my anger towards God, that he just wasn't coming through for me. And, and the fact that I, you know, thought of committing suicide a couple of times And I thought that, you know, the moment I said that, surely this was the moment that I would be excommunicated from the church. Um, But instead, what happened was the priest looked back at me with eyes of love. Like he really, it was like, you know, just chatting with Jesus and being honest with him. And he said, you know, you are loved. I love you and welcome home. And And then, you know, as I was getting up to leave, the priest said, like, I want you to know that you have an identity in him. And I guess I'll close with the fact that, like, you know, what really clicked for me in that moment was just that I was seen by him. Like, you know, in a church of like, you know, 1.2 billion Catholics in a world of 7 billion people, I was seen and known by him. And the theme of that year's uh, conference was Rise Up. Um, or, or excuse me, sorry, we'll cut that out. Um, the name of the conference is Rise Up, but the theme of the conference came from uh, the prophet Isaiah chapter 43, which is called by name. Mm. So it's like he knew me, like oh, he knew yes, my name and that. he knew me inside and out. Um, but yeah, so like that's kind of been my life ever since and I haven't looked back. Uh, and certainly like there have been difficult moments here and there. Um, yeah. But I guess the biggest difference is that even in my suffering, I know who God is and who I am and whose I am, which really is the biggest difference. Wow. So, wow, Rachel. Oh my gosh. That's an incredible story. That is just incredibly powerful. Um I love the way you described how you were actually running away from him (laughs) and he ran faster. I mean, he was, it's just so interesting to me that you even noticed those happy Catholics on your campus. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. I think that that even in itself says so much because I know at least for me, like when I was in college, I didn't even, I don't know whether it was just, I wasn't looking or... Mm -hmm. It wasn't time, but I didn't, I didn't notice that in college. So the fact that you even noticed that, I think, was his way mm-hmm. of reaching out to your heart and um, piquing your interest. So what, if you, if you can remember, what yes. made you decide to do that first faith study? Because uh-huh. you had left, you know, you'd left home, you're going to, you know, this liberal college almost purposely to try to avoid, you know, your faith. Um, what was it that made you say yes when you first got invited to do a faith study? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. And I think it's one thing that I've always reflected on, um, you know, ever since I kind of like made my you know, reconversion back to the faith and, and thinking about 
the contents of those faith studies because, you know, years after I still am leading those same studies that I took Hmm. um, in my university years, which is so great. Um, But I really saw it as an opportunity uh, to, like I was saying, like grow my Jesus brain and kind of maybe, I, I don't know why I had to, but, but I guess what it was, was that like, I wanted to show that I knew something about being a Catholic. So I thought mm. that this was my way in, even though like, there was certainly a part of me where I was just kind of like, I don't need to prove anything to these people because I was trying to distance myself. Right. I guess it was that, you know, because we all have this desire to belong. And at that time, like given the fact that, you know, I was just starting university, I didn't really have any friends, um, and I was like for trying to find my way on the campus. So I thought that this would be an opportunity to meet new people, but also mm-hmm. to just kind of prove myself and prove my worth to other people that I kind of knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because probably in the first, I would say four semesters, I was able to advance pretty quickly in the studies while you know, also keeping a social distance from them before social distancing was even happening. Um, (laughs) But, but really like, it's probably one of the greatest paradoxes of my life. And I can only attribute it to the fact that, you know, God has always been there, even when I thought that I was all alone, Mm -hmm. you know, he would still find a way to walk alongside me, even though I was trying to push him away you know, he was very persistent, but persistent in a way that still allowed me choice and freedom. And that really is like what God's love is, right? Like he gives us that free will to choose and he wants us to choose him, but he will never force himself onto us. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, That makes, that makes a lot of sense. It's just, it's funny because I feel like they're, you know, it's different for everybody, but you, Clearly, yeah, I think that was meant to happen. That you had, you kind of kept this line of these space studies, even when, <laughs> even when everything else was kind of, you know, not building upon itself. But mm-hmm. that little thread was still there. Yes. That and that is how you got that invitation to go to that conference because mm-hmm. you kept that thread alive. Absolutely. And then, and then there was something in you that knew in the depths of maybe your soul somewhere that if I give this conference a try, you know, this, like you were saying, this could be my, you know, my healing. Maybe I'll give it a chance. I'll see the year through. I'll give this one last chance. Mm-hmm. And the Lord showed up in a he big really way. He did. And did you, what was your beliefs, you know, I guess like when you got there and you said, you know, that for the first time you sat face to face with him, Mm -hmm. did you believe that in your heart at that time that this was him in the form of the blessed sacrament? Or were you kind of like, oh, I'll just like do this because everyone else here is doing this, but you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it's a beautiful question to ask just because you know, one of the things that I am really grateful for, despite the kind of roundabout way that I found my faith, mm-hmm. one of the things that I have always been grateful for is my belief in the non-negotiable fact that Jesus really is present in the bread and the wine. So we know, you know, that in Catholic tradition, like that is not just a symbol, like it is him um, fully present, um, body, blood, soul, and divinity, right? So in my heart, I kind of saw that and I knew that, okay, this is, you know, something that 
I've known deep in my heart. Mm -hmm. But I guess the interesting part of it is that because Eucharistic adoration was something that I'd never done before, all of the new friends that I'd met over the first couple days of the conference, you know, they were talking about Eucharistic adoration and people were sharing their stories of how they're constantly crying or people are getting slain in the spirits or, you know, they have these visions or they have these massive breakthroughs. And to be honest, I was starting to feel really freaked out. I was just like, what have I walked into? Like, is this a cult or like, is this, is what's going on? Like, what are you all talking about? Like all of this terminology that I, like, I didn't have any vocabulary for. Mm. And, you know, people were just like, you know, one of my newfound friends, you know, seeing that I was a little like, whoa, like what's going on. He was like, to me, he's like, oh, like, don't be scared. The Lord will show up um, in the way that he will for you. And it will be very particular for you. So I kind of took comfort in that, knowing that, okay, well, Lord, you know that this is my first time. I've never done Eucharistic adoration before. So I'm going to trust that you're not going to overwhelm me. And I can honestly say that, you know, like you said, he certainly showed up, but also he was very gentle, Mm. right? Because all around me, I could see that, you know, people were already crying, the tissues were coming out and people were furiously journaling and people were lying prostrate in front of the monstrance and I was kind of kneeling there and thinking okay you know if it's you I would love to have a word with you so to speak and (laughs) and he did he came and I could actually like you know see him um maybe not necessarily like the face of Jesus kind of like Mm -hmm. looking back at me but it was almost like you know, I'm looking at the monstrance and you know how sometimes you can have a nonverbal conversation with a very good friend. You can just look at them and you kind of just know what's going on. That's exactly what it felt like, even though, you know, I could honestly say prior to that, I really had no concept of what it meant to talk to Jesus or that you could even talk to Jesus. Um, But to just hear him like really pour into my heart, these truths about me that I didn't even know were truths and really dispelling a lot of lies that I told about myself and then encouraging me to go meet him again in the sacrament of reconciliation. So it was, it was really an intimate moments with him to just kind of be there and to sit with him. And again, it's like when you are with a good friend, sometimes you can just sit in silence and it's not awkward. And that's kind of what it was. It's like, we were just sitting and I was just basking in his presence and the light is just this is my favorite part about eucharistic adoration is just that the light knows where to hit the monstrance and it's just like it will make it so Mm. radiant and beautiful so yeah like that was kind of my first experience with that and and really seeing jesus there and i love how you say that it it inspired you and sparked you to the sacrament of confession. Mm. I mean, I think that that's just so beautiful how, uh, yeah, you just received his love so purely. And then you just like wanted to, wanted, he wanted for you for it to be healed. Mm -hmm. And that's just so beautiful how he led you right there and just brought you to this conference where it was all going to be there for you. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times too, when you're not, you know, at this place where there's adoration and confession right at your fingertips, it's like there's a lot of back and forth and 
I mean, even spiritual warfare that goes on between Absolutely. the moment you have this encounter with Jesus in prayer and it's amazing. And then the moment you get the courage to go mm-hmm. to confession. So I feel like that that was just so beautiful how, you know, how he worked through the people in your life and then how he extended this little invitation where he knew you'd be in a safe place and in a safe community to be able to start to heal all of those wounds that you had. Um, So that's just, uh, that's amazing. Um, And so then from there, like, so what happened after, Mm. after you had this incredible encounter, went to confession, Mm -hmm. what did, were your friends like, did they know what was happening? Did you share kind of what was going on or were you kind of just pondering this all? in your heart and trying to figure it all out. (laughs) What happened next? For sure. Yeah. So I remember literally the day the conference ended, it was New Year's Day. And the funny thing was my, my parents had invited one of my childhood best friends and her family over. So I just have this vivid memory of, you know, literally we were sitting on my bed and I was just kind of pouring out everything that had happened to her. And now like we had went to elementary school together, so Catholic elementary school together for a couple of years, but then she had moved away and she entered into the public system. So the extent of her faith, I would say that like, you know, she went through the sacraments, but probably wasn't practicing. Um, So, you know, to have that conversation and to be so fearless and that like really it was the grace of God. But what I found was that over time, um, one of the beautiful things that came out of this experience was that I suddenly had this newfound community of friends that I could journey with because I think given a lot of the experiences that I had in high school, not only was I trying to sever myself from God at the time, but quite honestly, there were a lot of relationships that I knew that I couldn't continue after I left high school just because of how toxic they were. And at first I really felt you know, super alone. Like I think, you know, especially as, as a young woman at that time, you know, to admit to yourself that you have no friends is very depressing in (laughs) itself. And it just kind of like, uh, is this really my life? Like I've got no friends and I'm just destined to be like this, but really, you know, God had created so much space in my heart for this brand new community. And in turn, they had adopted me in. So you know, when I think about a lot of the close friends that I have now, all of them I had met in some way or another through Catholic Christian Outreach um, Mm -hmm. from that conference. And from there, it has been a really great opportunity to journey with people. Because I think what I saw was that just because you're Catholic, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that the hard way too, because I was my eyes were open to that when I arrived at the conference that, wait a second, these are real people with real struggles. And yes, they are happy. Um, but it's more so like a joy. It's a joy about knowing who they are, not because they have everything figured out, not because they are perfect. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once I came to that realization and had that encounter for myself, it was then a process of learning about, okay, like I know that I'm not perfect. So how do I continue on that journey? Um, Like, how am I going to build myself up that way? And I realized that, A, I don't do that alone. I have to work with God. But also, B, like, God provides these communities for us so that we can grow in fellowship, right? Mm -hmm. In Scripture, it says that iron sharpens iron. And I have found that that is certainly time and time again so true um, with 
the amount of like female friendships that I found in this community to help me grow into a better woman and a better sister. Um, but also like through meeting like actual virtuous men, um, you know, because I had my own struggles with like relationships and turmoil and that, and some trauma that came from dating relationships. And I really thought that there were no good men out there, but then to see that there are men who knew Christ and knew their identity and the fact that we're all striving for holiness. So, no, I'm so grateful for that. And, and just the fact that God had really answered one of the deepest desires of my heart was to feel like I belonged and to have friends who I could journey with in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's another whole aspect of like bringing you to that conference is like Mm. a built-in community that had been there really the whole time waiting for you. Uh, It was just a matter of, you know, it happening. And so I Mm -hmm. think that was so, yeah, I think you so beautifully illustrated just how he's been there the whole time, just kind of waiting for for your response. And then Mm -hmm. when you respond, having everything, you know, knowing exactly what you needed on that journey back to, you know, and healing. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, that's amazing. So were you, so you were in college when you went to that conference still, yes, right? And that's right. What, what year was that? Were you a sophomore or? So that was 2016. So I was in my second year and now okay. I do apologize because here in Canada, we don't use those terms oh, and I'm sorry. kind of like, no, no, it's totally fine. So I always feel bad. I'm just kind of like, I think second I'm year. A okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> that is sophomore. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> so then, the next two years, you had to still kind of had this community and to grow mm-hmm. and to kind of you know develop your faith and deeper, kind of fall into a deeper and have this yeah iron around you sharpening you, mm-hmm. um, which is just amazing. So when you were getting ready to graduate. Um, yes. Yeah. So what was going on at that time and kind of when you went out into the world, um, I guess, what what were some of your biggest challenges in cultivating a relationship with him and what have been some of your greatest joys? Mm-hmm. So at this point, I'll be totally transparent and actually say that my degree, um, you know, I used to think it was a bit of a curse, but thanks be to God, it took six years. So I actually am when I say graduate, I'm a pretty fresh graduate at the time of recording this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, a, I'm the class of 2020, class okay, of COVID. Wow. Um, but, but what I will say Congrats. is, thank you. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, what I will say is that like in terms of challenges, certainly like one of the big things that had always been on my mind as I was getting close to graduation was just how am I going to continue having those types of relationships and community because, you know, it's one thing to be on campus and to continually go to, you know, on our campus, we have something called the Interfaith Center where we would always congregate and meet. So that's a familiar place to always go back to um, for community. But once you get out into the world, like I was very keenly aware of the fact that this was not always going to be the case. You know, we would enter into workplaces that are not Catholic and in fact are very secular. You may meet people, you may have to work alongside people who don't share your beliefs. So that was definitely, you know, for me, I was really worried about that and really kind of sad that, you know, God had blessed me with this gift 
And now all of a sudden it seemed like it was going to be taken away. Mm -hmm. And I say that I'm thankful that it was a six year degree just because I, you know, because of maybe my own prolonging of the degree, I was able to spend a little bit more time with it, you know, as I was studying um, and then continuing to be with the community. And I think like in terms of the greatest joys, um, God had really blessed me with this opportunity to go on a mission with Catholic Christian Outreach. So last January, January 2019, we went on a mission to World Youth Day. Mm. And I think the funniest thing about this mission was that it was targeted towards alumni of Catholic Christian Outreach. So students who were on a campus that had CCO and they have since graduated, they're working in the workforce. Now, I was taking that semester off um, just because of some personal issues and you know, I was encouraged to apply by a couple missionaries, but the one thing that was deterring me was the fact that it was targeted towards alumni. And I told the missionaries, I was like, look, like I'm not even close to graduating. They're never going to take me. But by the grace of God, they did. I applied and they took me. And sure enough, I was the only person on that team of nine that was still in school. Um, Mm -hmm. There was one Uh, There was one guy on that team who said, he's like, yeah, I'm studying right now and I'm going back to school uh, in in a couple months. And I was like, oh, like, what are you doing your undergrad in? And he's like, well, I did my undergrad and I'm so sorry, like, I can't even remember. But he, but all this to say, he was actually a master's student. And I was just like, all these people have degrees and jobs. Like, I don't even have a degree. And Hmm. here I am on this. So again, kind of feeling like that imposter syndrome. But it was such a blessing because, again, it's like, you know, these these folks really, they didn't see age um, and it didn't matter to them that I was still technically in school. And again, God had blessed me not with like just with this beautiful group of people. And we're still so tight. Like we visit each other, talk to each other a lot. Um, But also he showed me that this is what it looks like to live out your faith after you leave the walls of the school. Do you believe in the power of conversion stories? Has this show moved you in some way? Join the Branches of the Vine community of supporters. You will be making this show happen and you'll be helping it grow and expand into new avenues to reach even more souls. Visit togrowgood.com slash support to join for as little as $3 a month. This link is also a live link in today's episode description If you just scroll down, you'll be able to click right there to join us. As a gift back to you, you will gain access to an underground bonus podcast. That's right. A collection of monthly episodes on a series of different topics that stir my heart. In addition to behind the scenes updates on where he's leading this ministry and more. You are the light of the world. Thank you so much for supporting me in this mission and stepping out on the water to wherever he calls me next. Let's see where this goes. Today's episode is brought to you by Catholic Match. Are you feeling called to marriage but struggling to meet others who are striving for sainthood? Well, my friends, there is a solution for you. Welcome to Catholic Match, the largest faith-focused dating app designed for single Catholics. Unlike other dating sites, Catholic Match primarily strives to help singles connect for the purpose of sacramental marriage through direct message, video chat, and more. And not only that, it also provides a place to make new friends in the faith because, let's be honest, these days it's harder than ever to cultivate intimate Catholic community. 
Create your Catholic love story. Visit catholicmatch.com slash to grow good to create your free Catholic Match account and start meeting fellow-minded Catholics today. And that it's possible, and it's possible to flourish like that as long as you have that community. So taking part in like young adult ministry, um, keeping in touch with these friends um, has really given me hope. So I would say that certainly there have been challenges, but the joys that have come from them really have outweighed those Mm -hmm. challenges. And they've really sustained me as I've gone through the last little part of my degree. And, you know, to be here now, and I remember when I finally presented my thesis, I went back to our little group chat um, among the nine of us from that mission. And I was like, I'm a real alumni now. Like I can finally join your ranks and I feel (laughs) legit. And, um, you know, it was really special because I felt like God was really preparing me and molding me. And now kind of as I am stepping into the real world, so to speak, um, like I do feel a lot more confident than if I, you know, had really rushed to finish my degree in four years and then kind of stepped out and had no idea where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. And I think you're right. He was trying to show you, you know, that community doesn't have to end just because, you know, you're leaving this community, but mm-hmm. it's it's about living out your faith. Yeah, no matter what season or stage of life you're in yeah. and trusting, right? Like trusting in God that he's going to give you what you need for that season. And it's going to mm-hmm. look different, but um, that doesn't mean that it's going to go away, which is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's just a, that's a beautiful like kind of lesson he taught you through that. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, so then when did you start, um, the feminine genius podcast? Because that, so that must've been somewhere in the midst of all of this. And how did that come about? Absolutely. Yes. So it was also actually a beautiful gift of that mission, um, that I went on with CCO. So, you know, coming into 2019, I really had this deep, deep desire in my heart to know what my vocation was. So I was thinking more along the lines of, God, can you show me if you're calling me to marriage or you're calling me to discern a religious vocation? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that I would really dedicate my year to him um, to really show me that. So what I noticed while I was there at World Youth Day and like every moment we had an opportunity to pray, I was constantly just really bugging God about this. It's like, okay, can you just tell me now so I can kind (laughs) of fast track myself to whatever that vocation is. But what I noticed was that he was instead like a lot of different things were coming into my mind, um, most of which were um, just memories of women that I had met over time or I knew who had beautiful stories and had beautiful ideas and were really living out um, what it meant to be a Catholic woman and just people that I looked up to. And then of course, it's like all of these like random things like music and just how I could maybe present these stories because I've always been a storyteller um, and I've always loved writing and like I have a background in radio broadcast. So I thought that it would be a great way to maybe integrate these things. But I was getting frustrated with myself while I was at World Youth Day just because it's like, okay, like I'm here to pray about my vocation. Hmm. Can't we stop with 
all of these, like these women coming in, like they're I cool, but <laughs> it's like, they're cool, that. but it's, we need to focus on me right yeah, now. Like, and Lord, then, pay attention. Hello. <laughs> we have something else where we're, we're dealing. Exactly. With. <laughs> right. It's kind of like, you know, I'm telling him to focus, yeah. but also I was kind of like, you know, being a true Canadian, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I- I'm getting so distracted. I am so sorry. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this followed me for months and I was just kind of, I was very confused and I was getting nowhere closer to figuring out what my vocation was. Mm-hmm. And finally it was on a visit um, to my friends who were living in Ontario from that mission. We were at an adoration chapel that is attached to my friend's parish. And, you know, we're, we're praying there in the blessed sacraments um, in front of the blessed sacraments. And it was there where, again, I was, you know, really trying to open up my heart and be like, Lord, like whatever, my vocation is, I would love it if you just kind of laid it out for me and we can just go there. (laughs) But instead, you know, again, all of these things started to come up in my mind. And and finally I was so frustrated and I was just kind of like, okay, what is going on enough? Like we got to stop this. And I really, again, like started to engage in this dialogue with the Lord and, you know, all of these things, like over the past couple months, as much as I was frustrated that I was getting nowhere in my prayer for discernment, I could start to feel this cultivation of what seemed to be a project of some sort, some kind of storytelling project. It involved women. And I was just like, Lord, podcasts? Like, what? And and it's one of those things where, again, like, you know, that nonverbal communication in front of the Blessed Sacrament, and it's almost as if he's just kind of like, you know, he gives like a shrug, a knowing look. And I start to unload all of these worries and these, um, like these inadequacies that I thought that I had, where it's like, I had no time, I had no money, I had no equipment. But my biggest worry was the fact that I didn't have a name for this project. I'm huge on names. <laughs> As if that's the biggest thing I should I worry about. I love that. It's like you already, it's almost like you already knew you were going to do it. Because you're like, oh, right. what am I going to name it? <laughs> exactly. It's just like, yeah. what, what am I even going to do here? And he, you know, very clearly, I could hear him say, like, you already know. Mm. So I was like, I already know. I already know. So I'm kind of like, you know, going into my memory and, just kind of thinking about it really hard. And it was on the way back um, to my friend's place. The minute we got in to her house and I was like connected to her Wi-Fi, I was just firing off a Google search on the feminine genius. And what had occurred to me was that I was listening to Abiding Together, beautiful podcast, you know, Heather Kim, Michelle Benzinger, sister Miriam James. Um, And it was on my way to Ottawa that I was listening to their series on the feminine genius. Now, full disclosure, I was on the train. So I was probably kind of like, you know, in and out of consciousness. I was, you know, maybe napping a little bit, (laughs) nothing about the content, but I was just so tired because of the travels. So I remember being so intrigued by that name, but clearly I wasn't listening well enough Mm -hmm. because I remember thinking to myself, it's like, wow, like the abiding together woman should really trademark that term feminine genius because it's so beautiful now once I kind of like you know back to the present day I was doing that google search and I saw that it wasn't just abiding together that was doing it but the number one person that it pointed back to was John Paul II like the great John Paul II and I was like oh okay okay all right 
So I started to do a deep dive into this. And, and of course, like I stumbled upon his letter to women. So written, you know, over 20 years ago, but still so relevant today. Yeah, so good. Yeah. And it really spoke to my heart. And it spoke to, again, like this wound that I'd carried for a really long time, which was that I knew that I was a Catholic woman and I had never questioned my identity as a woman or I had never questioned my femininity, but I had no idea what it meant to truly live an authentic Catholic uh, femininity. Like I thought that, you know, given my own sins and my own barriers, my inadequacies at baking and what have you, I thought that I wasn't a good Catholic woman, Right. Um, I wasn't, I didn't see myself in other women at church or like women that I saw online who were Catholic. Um, And reading that letter and just understanding that actually like there is a multiplicity of ways to be Catholic and a woman. And that every single way that you are, which is ourselves, our truest selves, um, it is needed and it's necessary for God's church. And in that moment, as I was reading the letter, it really um, inspired in me, just like, you know, at confirmation, it's the reading from first, um, St. Letter's first letter to the Corinthians, St. Paul, excuse me, St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, where he talks about one body, many parts. And, you know, all of these things are really clicking for me because it made me realize that, you know, if the whole body of Christ was just an eye, a.k.a one type of Catholic woman, sure, it's like maybe the church would have a lot of fantastic baking and cookies Mm -hmm. and whatnot, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't the only way to do it. And in fact, it would render that body like not totally free to really live out the genius of woman. And of course, this is not to say that homemakers and and bakers, uh, women who can bake, are uh, not useful. Like, of course, it's like, we need those women, but we also need women in science, in medicine. We need women who do podcasts. Um, We need women who can do hard labor and we need women um, in the medical field. And we need women who are homemakers. Like we need all of it. Like it takes all of us to really build up the kingdom of God here on earth. So that's what started it. And, you know, that was the beginning of May. So about this time last year, and in a month, he really just blew wide all the doors and it was crazy because like I had started and failed so many previous podcast projects Hmm. that hadn't made it past month one and now at the time of recording this we're about almost a year into the project and it's amazing to see with you know like my kind of reserved yes question mark how he's able to turn that into something really beautiful. And I'm like blown away by the response and the ministry itself. So, yeah. Oh gosh. It's so true. It's like you, it just like, at least for me too, it was like, he put so many things in my path that made it like, it made it impossible not to do it. Like it was so, I I was like laughing to myself so much a lot of times during it. Cause I'd be like, really Lord. Okay. You really <laughs> want me to ask, I get it. You want me to ask this person, <laughs> uh, but it's so funny how, uh, yeah, when it's meant to be, he definitely makes sure there's a way mm-hmm. that it's done. Um, so that's beautiful. I love, I love everything that you talked about, just how he clearly was communicating to you and nudging you along the whole mm-hmm. way. But at the same time, wanted you to find it yourself and in your own time. And then it's fun too, because that's the creative side of it too. It's right. It's like, absolutely. 
premise and now it's like you get to, exactly like you're saying like you get to decide the music what it sounds like what it looks like how it feels so yeah that's that's beautiful um and thank you for giving your yes to that so many amazing episodes so many great conversations the people he's putting in your path it's very obvious that um you know it's the work of the holy spirit for sure and you're reaching so many women and it's just yeah it's amazing what what he can do right when we give our little little yes when there's a little bit of a tug in your heart just follow that through because there's something there you know that that he's trying to communicate um and thank you so much too just for being so open and vulnerable about um mental health and your Mm -hmm. your journey with that and how your faith has played a role in that do you want to talk any more about that just what that journey was like i guess after um after meeting the Lord, you know, Certainly. I know it's not like a one and done deal that, you know, you meet Jesus and all your, all your problems go away. Right. You know, for sure. Yeah. No, thank you for that invitation. Um, like it always is such a great, you know, it, it's a privilege for me to chat about this just because, you know, first and foremost, like you were saying, it's never like a one and done thing. Um, but what I can say is that, when, when I had that encounter with Jesus for the first time, what I did see was that a lot of the physical manifestations of, you know, my, my mental health that I was experiencing, whether it was, um, like literally there were, there would be days where I would just be like, just shaking, like physically shaking from anxiety, Mm. like, and those like tremors, like a lot of it disappeared. Um, you know, I was getting migraines and headaches a lot of the time, a lot of those, you know, the first little bit, I was kind of like, okay, well, it'll be back tomorrow. And, you know, the next day would come, it's like, it'll be back tomorrow. But suddenly I was a month in, I was like, maybe it won't be back tomorrow. And and sure enough, like, you know, God was able to eradicate a lot of things mm-hmm. um, physically. Um, but of course, that's not to say that the journey kind of ends there and that suddenly you're healed. And I think that that has been one of the the steepest learning curves that I had to learn was just that, you know, when it comes to mental health, in particular, like your healing in itself is not linear, right? Like it's not a a one and done thing and it has to continually build because we as humans continue to change and we're constantly impacted by the different stimuli that are in our world. So it really has been um, an opportunity for me to grow in trust with the Lord um, and, and maybe like also come to the the understanding and the recognition that I did need to seek even more professional help. Yeah. Like I really did need to seek help. Like that's really the first thing. Um, and to not be ashamed that I need to get help or to start taking medication. And of course it's like, you know, you really have to, um, do your research and really like have very open and honest conversations with whoever your healthcare providers are, um, to just talk about things so that you can make fully informed decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, but from there, it was kind of like, once I was able to deal with the immediate, you know, issues, like the health issues that were in front of me, then I could start to kind of venture into maybe the more spiritual side of suffering. Because I think that sometimes one of the frustrations that, you know, I've encountered or other people have encountered when I've chatted with them about mental health and faith is that we can get almost into this like over spiritualizing area of suffering and we kind of maybe spiritualize it too much. 
and all of a sudden we're like up here when we haven't even figured out what's going on around us just yet. So I think it has been a very long process of first understanding like me at a physiological level. And also like, you know, how can I, um, whether it's like through like therapy and whatnot, like how can I like train myself, train my brain into thinking better thoughts, thinking more positively about myself and inviting myself into just this area of like self-love and understanding who I am and whose I am. And then from there being able to journey with God um, into understanding, okay, like I've been given the suffering throughout my life and, you know, understanding why that is, what good can come out of the suffering. Um, and I think one of the beautiful meditations that I've had with this is like shortly after my conversion, I was doing this meditation on the stations of the cross with a group of young adults. And we were asked to think about as we approached every station, um, let Jesus introduce you to a memory that has happened in your life, uh, good or bad, whatever it might be, just allow him to speak to you through that and really try and picture and see where Jesus was in that memory. And the first, you know, stations one to 12, every memory was a bad memory for me. And, you know, all throughout, I was getting very suspicious. I was just like, okay, like, you know, whether it was like, you know, bullying or a grandparent had passed away or I did poorly on a test. I had a fight with my parents or a friend or a sister. And, you know, in my mind, I was just like, okay, I can't see God in any of these circumstances. And finally, we made it to the station where Jesus dies on the cross and like, you know, Jesus's words on the cross, like, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are my words too. I was just like, Lord, mm. where have you been in my suffering? And we continued on and we went to um, the, the final station where like the tomb is empty and we talk about the resurrection. And in that moment, I realized that, you know, even in suffering, Jesus three days later was still able to redeem everybody's suffering. Um, by taking on the wounds and, and the sins of everybody else, he was able to really glorify and, and show the world, you know, the fact that there is re redemption in suffering. And I was just like, well, if Jesus can do that with the sins of every last person here on earth, then certainly he can do that with my suffering. And it really has been an invitation that he's extended to me to just be like, okay, so let's journey through this together. So it hasn't been easy, um, but it has been very fruitful in a sense that, you know, even in my suffering, I've been able to find Jesus there and to see how he has been able to transform suffering for good. And whether it's like, you know, being able to, you know, share my own story with someone um, and have it resonate, or even to just be trusted by other people, sometimes even strangers, for them to share their story with me and to be able to either pray with them or, you know, share some insight or just share something that's on my heart to help to, um, you know, keep them going um, has really been such a, such a blessing. And I can see that Jesus is at work, even in the suffering, um, in my own suffering and that of others. Mm. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for just opening up and sharing that because I think, you know, it's so true that um, 
the darkness is not of God, you know? It's like when we bring things to the light and we share our own experiences, it can only help, um, you know, to heal them and to heal others, just like you were saying. So thank you uh, for sharing that. So it's not easy. And I know it takes a lot of courage. So thank you. Um, what have been some of your standout influences on your journey so far? Um, whether it's a book or a podcast, mm. or I know you've mentioned a few, you know, the conference obviously was a huge one, CCO, obviously huge. Um, but if you have any other specific ones that have helped you, um, I'd love to hear them. Oh, for sure. Yes. Um, I think first and foremost, what comes to mind is like within CCO, of course, there was a missionary, her name is Maria. And, you know, when I think back on my own journey, I, and I tell her this a lot, um, that I would never be where I am if it wasn't for her persistence, because really she was like, you know, acting in the person of God. And I say, or excuse me, I mean that in a sense that, you know, even though I made terrible, terrible excuses to not go to different social events, she would still treat me with respect and dignity. She would never treat me any differently. And even after I would give a horrible excuse, whenever she would see me, we would have great conversations and she would continually invite me mm-hmm. to go to events. And I would always say no or whatever. Um, and in fact, she was the one that introduced me to this conference and invited me to And I look back on it and it's almost maybe because like she had asked so many times and she had been consistent in showing to me what God's love looks like in the flesh. So in many ways, like I trusted her and I was just like, okay, well, yes, like I'll go, I'll consider it. I'll talk to my parents about it and I'll do it. And, you know, like if it wasn't for her persistence, you know, I would never be where I am because I know myself and like sometimes I ask two times and then I'll just give up on something or someone. Right. But she had really pursued me for almost two years. And I was just like, wow, like that is patience and that is love. And that really is, you know, literally the good shepherd, right. You know, he's going off to like he'll leave the 99 behind in search of the one. And in CCO, we always talking about we always talk about, you know, one person at a time, one heart at a time. And, you know, she really is the embodiment of that. So I'm grateful mm-hmm. for her. Um, but I would also say too, like um Venerable Fulton Sheen is probably one of my all-time favorites. Like shortly after I came to uh, like a more fuller conversion and understanding of who God is. Um, like I had stumbled upon his videos on YouTube. And again, like, you know, he's talking about all of these things that are still so relevant and his passion and his fire and the way that he presents ideas is just so captivating. And, and of course it's like the, the tell for me that this was like old stuff, so to speak, was that Mm. it was a black and white video. You know, these are videos from the fifties and yet like, you know, 60 years later, still so relevant And like, what a powerful man of God um, who just knew how to communicate um, the values and theology uh, in such a great and simple way. So as a communicator myself, like I really appreciate like his influence over me. Um, And I would say that maybe the last thing that really, um, I guess like that comes to mind for this question was 
um, shortly after my conversion as well, I was reading or I was introduced to this book called Captivating uh, by John and Stacy Eldridge. And it's a beautiful book, again, about like Catholic femininity and what it means to be a daughter of God. Um, and it's funny as I'm thinking about it, too, just because this was probably 2017. So far before the podcast was even in my imagination. Mm. But, you know, that idea of Catholic femininity and how, like, you know, we are daughters first and God delights in us, even if we have sinned, like no matter how many times we have sinned, like we have that freedom to come back and he will still love us like unconditionally. So, you know, given all the wounds that were in my own heart, like that was such a powerful book to remind me of that identity and that worth that I have inherently through him. Mm, yeah. I'll check that on out. That sounds yes. amazing. Yeah. It's a beautiful and I, book. I love that too, that he was planting seeds in your heart about feminine, you know, beauty and genius way before you even it came on the scene for you. And I love how he does that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so where can someone go to find out more about you and to um, find the Feminine Genius Podcast if they want to? For sure. So um, everything is housed on my website, which is femininegeniuspodcast.com. You can find the Feminine Genius Podcast on pretty much any podcast platform. So like SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, all those fun things. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at uh, Fem Genius Pod. So F-E-M-G-E-N-I-U-S-P-O-D. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. And the last question that I uh, hope to ask everyone who comes on mm -hmm. is, can you share with us one scripture verse that has either played a foundational role in your journey so far or that is speaking to you recently and why? Mm. Beautiful. So when you sent that to me, I was really thinking about that just because my default answer is the whole Bible, but I know I haven't read through the whole thing yet, so I can't really say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, like one of, it, it's so beautiful how the Lord works again, um, because shortly after my conversion, I came across this passage from St. Peter's uh, first letter. And it's uh, from, yeah, it's first Peter, first uh, Peter chapter five, verse seven, which is cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And the way that, you know, the use of the word anxiety was so striking to me when I first read it, because it was almost, almost as if like, you know, Jesus knew that that had been something I had suffered with for a very long time. And, you know, to be frank, like, you know, even to this day, I still suffer from that. Um, but I guess like the biggest thing that really inspired me about that was just the fact that, you know, even in my suffering, even all the anxious thoughts that I have about whatever it might be, I can cast it all on him. I can just give it to him. And I think for so long, I'd really been holding on to it for myself because I thought that he couldn't redeem that part of me. So I was just kind of like, you know, slowly drowning with it on my own. But this passage really spoke to me and just showed me that I can give it to him because he cares for me, because he loves me. And because of that, like, you know, he, has the power to take that away. So it was just so striking to see, like literally Jesus was very pointedly saying, it's like, you can give this to me and I will take care of it. And I was like, okay, Lord, 
I will give it to you and that'll be that, right? So every day is a moment of surrender and it's a good reminder to me every day whenever I'm feeling anxious about work or school at the time or, you know, just what's going to be next now that I'm kind of in this like transitional phase of my life. Like, you know, I can give you my anxiety and we will tackle this together. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, It does. It feels so good when you... There's something so healing about that too when you just invite him in Mm -hmm. and let him help you carry the burden, you know, doing it together, which I think is what's so beautiful about how you talk about him. Mm. You know, it's very clear that you have this kind of joint relationship where you tackle things together. And it's, it's, I thank you. Just thank you for sharing your whole story and for opening up. And um, yeah, that was incredible. So thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on. It was a fantastic conversation. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much. And thank you for what you're doing as well. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for growing some good with us today. Visit us at togrowgood.com slash podcast to find links to everything we mentioned in our conversation. Find us on Instagram at togrowgood. See you next week.